Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. I can't believe it's been almost two years since I've last hosted a live training. Well, consider this a manifestation because for the first time in almost two years, I'm hosting a live three-day money manifestation training called Cashflow. And the best part, it's absolutely free to join. We're going to be talking all about raising your financial set point, taking your power back when it comes to money so that it no longer has its hold on you, having money respond to you as the sovereign queen of money, not the other way around, becoming wealthy without frying your nervous system, the exact steps to accessing financial abundance for life, and so much more. You can sign up for this free training at manifestationbabe.com slash cashflow. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash cashflow. We start May 15th, and I can't wait to see you there. Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. I am coming back to you with another episode, as promised. In the last one, that was my official return back to the podcast, and I did a fun Q&A. So if you haven't listened to it yet, it's just a overall mishmash of random questions that you asked me on Instagram that I decided to save from the stories because I normally do story Q&As, bring it to the podcast, and then bring a fun little trend to the podcast that I've never done before. And quite honestly, it's it's nerve-wracking. Like <laughs> just try it sometime. Whether you have a following online or not, like just text this to, well, maybe I guess your friends would know you better than this, but just asking people like what are their assumptions about you is such a social experiment and such a reflector of, you know, like what are people's perceptions of you and how do people see you and are they accurate or not? And I was completely blown away by this experiment. Um, I did it for fun, but it ended up being the sweetest thing I've ever done. Your reflections of me and what you said for the majority of you was just so insanely sweet. I mean, you guys said the nicest things about me and I was like, aw. And at first I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, I don't think there's anything really to respond to here. But then I found some really good ones. And like I said in the last episode, this could be lame and I could totally not do it. But I decided, you know what, these are kind of fun because it's just going to evoke some stories. It's going to evoke some fun. We're just going to chit chat and talk. And so why not do it? And already it's insane. I've had so many podcast ideas flow into me. I 
I mean, this always happens when I genuinely return to something or genuinely choose to do something that I actually want to do. It's like the universe just starts feeding me all of these ideas. And I'm like, whoa, buddy, like I'm about to go on a retreat. I won't be able to record these till next week. (laughs) It's like insane. I don't have time for this. I'm a mom. I have Orion. He has nap time. We have swim time. I mean, we got all the times. It's toddler time in my household. But this is so exciting because I can just, I can just tell there's going to be so much buzz and so much energy around the podcast and I genuinely missed it. And so I'm excited to be back. Um, was there anything else that I wanted to update you on? I don't think so. Keep your, well, actually keep your eyes peeled. Um, in the next episode, I'm going to be giving you some tips and tricks around vision boards that I don't think people normally talk about. It's probably three or something. I haven't decided how many I'm going to share yet, but it's X amount of tips that you for sure have not heard of when it comes to building a vision board. I get so many questions around vision boards. And many, 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 many months ago, I did make a promise that I would make a vision board masterclass. Um, and I've been asked, you know, especially since I went on sabbatical and I never did it because I was like, no, nope, I'm going to take a break. Um, I've had so many people ask me, is it still coming? Is it still coming? And of course, I say, as I always say, when I genuinely have the energy for it, I absolutely will do it. I don't do anything half-assed. I don't do anything just because it makes money. I don't do any of that shit where I'm like, oh, I can just put this and this and this and this up just for the hell of it, just because it's going to make me money. I really don't care about that. If it doesn't genuinely excite me and if it's not something that I feel lit up about, I don't care. I don't want to do it, even if it's easy money. Of course, I can pull a vision board training out of my butt. Like this, this, this is so natural to me. I make vision boards all the time. I know so much about them. I figured out so many ways to help people create vision boards that actually have nothing to do with vision because not everyone is visual. And that's not something that everyone talks about too. So there's so much that I can share. And so it'd be very easy for me to do. But I waited, I waited, I waited, and I waited on the genuine desire. And so I'm finally going to create something that's going to be more than a masterclass. It's not just going to be like a masterclass. I'm going to have a process to it. Um, It's going to be a full-blown training. I'm really excited about it, and I'll be announcing it in the next episode. So keep your eyes peeled. All right, let's get into assumptions about me. Here are some assumptions about me that you put on Instagram when I asked, what are your assumptions about me? And I will tell you, I will react to them and I'll tell you if they are true or not. All right. I got these in my phone. I screenshot probably like 30 of them. Let's see how many we go through. I feel like this is going to be faster than a QA, and a just because I'm not going to give like, you know, for the most part, it's just like, oh yeah, that's correct. No, that's incorrect, whatever. So let's go. Okay. The first one is, only a handful of people really know you and get to know you. This is so accurate. I really do have a very small inner circle and only the people closest to me get to know, like get to really see my emotions. I feel like I'm one of those people who will process things in private I'm one of those people who, when something happens, like let's say some life altering event or, or I receive some life altering 
news, right? Like, for example, the first thing I can think of is like when my high school boyfriend, my first love broke up with me, you know, some people are the type of people who would cry right then and there in front of said, you know, ex-boyfriend now. And, you know, the friends, well, he basically did in front of my friends too. So they were watching me. You know, there's the people who cry in that environment right then and there. And there's the people who hold it in. They put on a strong face. They don't want that person to really see how they're truly feeling. And then once nobody's around, they fully break down and process and just (laughs) go ballistic in private. That's more like me. Now, it's not something I do on purpose. I think it's just the way I think we all process things differently. And I think I'm just a private processor. And so it's really my close, close, close inner circle that gets to see more sides of me than I put out on the internet. And again, again, it's not like I'm on purpose hiding something. I think it's just when I feel my most comfortable self. Um, and I feel like this probably goes for everyone. It's like people who are most closest to me or people we feel the most comfortable around see these different sides of us. Um I also think about this astrologically. So moon signs is kind of like, and Danielle Page explained this the best. And I'm going to do my best to summarize what she shares in her courses. If you don't follow Danielle Page, I think it's I am Danielle Page. I'll put her in the show notes. She's an incredible resource for astrology. I love consulting for her um, her for astrology. I'm actually friends with her now. We text each other. We give business advice. I mean, it's it's fun. And I did have a reading with her recently. And prior to that, I was actually enrolled in her astrology course. And that's one of the random things that I was doing on my sabbatical. I'm like, yeah, here I am. I'm going to master astrology. All right. (laughs) And um, so she said how your sun sign is like, okay, so your rising sign is the front door. So you go out the front door, right? Out the front door. And your forward expression of yourself, your outward expression of yourself, how people see you is your rising sign. Your kitchen is your sun sign. So this is how you are in the center of your home. It's like everyone gathers in the kitchen. There's other people around you. Like let's say you're having a family gathering or you're having friends over or you're having a dinner party. And it's like that version of you of just in the midst of the center of attention in you know you shining as your genuine, authentic self. You're in the kitchen. That's your sun sign. And then your moon sign is the bedroom. And the bedroom is like, you know, you close the door to to the bedroom. It's a place where you have reprieve. It's a retreat. It's privacy. You know, you do things in the bedroom that you normally wouldn't do in the living room or kitchen, you know, in front of other people, or maybe you live alone and you do those things all around. I (laughs) no longer have that privacy. So (laughs) things are kept to the bedroom now. Um, and it's like, it's like your space. So your moon sign is, is the version of you that people who are closest to you see you. It's like really your internal world. And I'm a Gemini moon. And what I've learned from Danielle is that Geminis are actually very witty and they're very funny. And when I'm my most comfortable self, I am like, I am my funniest self. And my friends would always describe me as Catherine is hilarious. I don't see myself as hilarious. I really don't. I see like, to me, masters of humor are like comedians, you know, someone who stands on stage and can make a group of people laugh. I can't do that. So I don't see myself as funny. But people who are closest to me, they say that I'm hysterical. I'm funny. I'm witty. I'm 
quick on my feet. I can crack jokes. Like I can really make a room laugh. And it's just something that comes naturally to me. So these are just my gifts that people closest to me see. So yeah, um, I guess I guess I can take a while to answer these. <laughs> of course, of course, there's a backstory to everything in my life. But yes, only a handful of people really know you and get to know you. That's true. Um, someone said you deal with mental health lows sometimes too. Absolutely. You know why? Because I'm a human. And I don't think any human is exempt from any sort of mental health low or a bad day or bad news or life-changing, life-altering scenarios. Like I said, you know, my high school boyfriend broke up with me, like, you know, random example, but it's like, yeah, of course, no matter how much personal development work you do, no matter how much therapy you invest in, no matter how much you're quote unquote, you know, awakened, I feel like we're all susceptible to human emotions because we are freaking human. Okay. Someone said, if you had to career change, you'd be a therapist or psychologist of some sort. You know what's funny, actually? Um, yes, that makes sense logically based off of what I do. I feel like I am in a way <laughs> a manifestation therapist slash psychologist. I feel like there's so many titles that you can lump me under. I feel like there's so many labels you can put on me. I have such a hard time explaining what I do. I just, you know, when I, when people ask me, Catherine, what do you do? I'm just like, I'm a manifestation coach. Like that's just the, the biggest umbrella that I find myself to be under or manifestation teacher. But, um, to make it more random, actually, this is like a joke that I tell people, especially when I talk about going to Rwanda and going gorilla trekking. So if you haven't followed me since, um, this was, what was it? September 2021. So if you followed me at that time, you'll know that before I got pregnant, before I was in the process of conceiving my now son, Orion, um, my husband and I planned on like one. First of all, we had the craziest, best summer of our whole life. I'll never forget summer 2021. I don't know why it was just so exciting. We just did everything so big. It was like, fuck it. One last chance, you know, child-free life. Like, let's go crazy. And one of the things we decided to do was to go to Rwanda to go gorilla trekking. And if you're not familiar with gorilla trekking, you are literally hiking on a mountain and you approach families of gorillas in the wild. These are completely wild animals. They don't have fences. They don't have zookeepers. Like, these are wild gorillas. And you are standing like maybe two feet away from some of them. Some of them, I mean, they're spread out, right? But the closest you get, I mean, you get close to them. My husband got sniffed by a um, by the silverback gorilla, like the the main alpha gorilla. And that was like my heart was going to explode out of my chest. That was the biggest adrenaline rush of my whole entire life. Like what the fuck? <laughs> so close. Like literally he grazed past us. It was insane. And um, right after that, we went to Kenya and we did like the African safari. Well, in Rwanda, I sobbed leaving Rwanda. We did the trekking two times um, back to back. Actually, no, we did like a trek, a day off, a trek, and then a day off. I'm not kidding when I say if there was, if I had nothing better going on at home, I had no other dreams, no other goals. I had no plans to have kids. I 
wasn't married and I went to go do that experience, I probably would become, um, what's her name? She's the one who started the whole guerrilla conservation effort in Rwanda, actually. And I'm forgetting her name. Forgive me. But there's a there's a whole movie. I think it's called Gorillas in the Mist or something. It's a whole movie about her. I probably would be her. Like, I love those gorillas so damn much. I'm like, I would totally dedicate my whole life to protecting them, to doing research, to learning more about them. Um uh, being a part of the conservation efforts. Like this is my jam. I like gorillas are my favorite animal now besides dogs. So that's like one thing that's so random. Um, what's another, another would probably be an esthetician. I thought it was a dermatologist, but that's because my mom made me choose like a line of work when it comes to medical school and dermatologist is a way that you can get into skincare, but also have a medical degree. So I thought that was my only option, but I am obsessed with skincare. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I'm always doing something related to skincare. I love, love, love um, buckle massages. I really got into facial fascia massage. I can give you some resources, some incredible resources in the show notes for people who specialize in facial massage, as well as locations you can go to where other people can massage your face. And it's like the best way to build collagen to release tension in your face. If you have TMJ, like it just completely relaxes your jaw because you're getting the inside of your mouth massaged. Um, you're releasing all the tense, tense um, fascia in your face. You are uh, increasing circulation in your face. So blood flow, it reduces wrinkles, can actually remove wrinkles completely. It's kind of like an alternative to Botox and an alternative to fillers. And I'm someone who zero judgment, zero, I promise you, zero judgment because I have tons of friends in my family I, uh, or tons of friends in my family. That makes no sense. I have tons of friends and family who get Botox, who get fillers and good for them, whatever. It's just not for me. And my obsession is in everything that creates those effects that is alternative and actually good for you. And so I think being an esthetician and just massaging people's faces all day would probably be something I'm interested in. I don't know. <laughs> Random. But yeah, that's what resonates with me right now. Okay. Someone said that you and Brennan don't fight. Ha 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 ha. Um, if this were true, we would not be doing all of these couples workshops, couples therapies, couples things that we've really dove into this year. Because you know what? To be truthful, Brennan and I, we grew up with very different families and very different political stances, very different views of the world, very different um belief systems. We come from very different families, but it's it's actually amazing how similar we are in our values and belief systems and like the the important stuff because our families like literally don't see the same as us and don't see the same as each other. So it's very interesting and you know, obviously with these differences, even even with these differences, we both grew up with very dysfunctional ways of communicating in our families. And so I never learned how to properly communicate through conflict. In my day-to-day -day life with people like my friends, with um, people like, you know, coworkers or my employees or uh, 
businesses, whatever, like I'm typically the type of person who avoids conflict. It actually takes a lot in me to bring something up that I'm dissatisfied with. And thank God I do now because I have I have witnessed so much growth within myself from sticking up for myself and just being like, nah, that's not going to work for me. And here's why. And I really got this from pregnancy. It's as soon as I got pregnant, it's like the mama instincts were like, nope, not standing for that bullshit. Right. But generally speaking, I avoid conflict. And in um, my actual relationship, typically, in the past, I would be the type of person who would fucking blow up. It's either blow up or stonewall. And stonewall just kind of means emotionally shut down. It's a terminology that the Gottman Institute uses a lot of like, they have the four um, predeterminants, I think that's the word, of, you know, um, what is the most likely behavior to lead to divorce? And one of them is stonewalling. And so I used to be the number one stonewaller on this planet, the number one blow upper. I mean, I used to be, I used to say really cruel things and yell and just, I was nasty. And it's because I modeled that from my family. That's that's what I modeled from my family. And for Brennan, it was a whole slew of other things, but also equally as dysfunctional. And I am so proud of Brennan and I and the work that we've done this year. I can't tell you how much, like, it's not that we don't have conflict because I think all healthy relationships have conflicts. I think conflict is normal. And all the relationship experts that I've talked to this year, like, yes, it's completely normal. Don't think that just because you have conflict, you're in the wrong relationship. Absolutely not. It's how effectively you move through conflict. Do you make it a big deal or do you actually regulate your nervous system before you sit down and have a conversation about the conflict? And we move through things so quickly now. Before, Brendan and I can have an argument that lasts three days. I'm not joking. And that was modeled from my parents. Literally, I watched my mom, the way she would have conflict with me. She would just avoid me. Like I, my mom would give me the silent treatment for a week, two weeks at a time. The longest has been a month. You know, as a child, it's really traumatic. So I had to undo a lot of that trauma. And so I could definitely do that. Um, but if we're, you know, sometimes we'll just, we'll just be in the, in a zone of like, just, we can't figure it out for like days and days on end. And now it's like five minutes, max an hour, which is such an accomplishment. And I am by no means a relationship expert. As you know, I've shared before on the podcast, this is the one area of my life that when people would ask me about and be like, Catherine, make relationship content, I would be like, no, (laughs) my relationship's a mess, or at least I perceive it to be a mess. I'm sure it's pretty normal, but I perceive it to be a mess. There's no fucking way. Um, I know this is an area that there's a lot of undoing, a lot of healing to be done. There's a lot of programs to be changed and rewired. There's a lot of pattern interrupts to be had. And this year has been so fucking rewarding because this is this is the realm that we dove into. And so now, even now, do we fight? Absolutely. Of course we do. We work together. We have a business together. We have a baby together. We have a marriage together. Like We are in each other's faces 24-7. Of course, we're going to irritate the shit out of each other at some point. But the the difference now is 
is that we approach each other with a lot more respect and appreciation. And if we have a conflict, we make sure to regulate our nervous systems first before we approach each other. And then we sit down and have like a normal, mature discussion. And if you are someone who's like, Catherine, I have no idea how to talk through a conflict. I just, I just don't know how to do it. I would definitely seek out the Gottman Institute, they have an amazing framework. And I, I'm sure actually they have a whole book coming out about this that they said at the retreat that we were at. It's called Fight Right. And I'll put it in the show notes as well with a link um, because I think it's a pre-order right now, but they say that their book is all about how to maturely, properly communicate through conflict with your partner in your marriage or long-term relationship or boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever. It doesn't matter, right? Like relationship is relationship. So we have conflict in all relationships at some point. We disagree on something. And so how do we mitigate that? I would definitely recommend that. Um, Someone said, it still bothers you that you couldn't breastfeed. Um, This is interesting because it did bother me for a really long time. I did have a rapid resolution therapy um, session specifically about this. And I knew that I needed it because I would say it was, so I stopped breastfeeding, which, you know, we we can call it breastfeeding, but it was really exclusively pumping, Um, making milk. Let's just put it at that. I stopped making milk January of this year. And I had my session with John, I want to say April or May. And I noticed that I needed the session because I was going through pictures of Orion as a baby. And in the pictures, I can see very clearly that Orion is hungry and he's rooting and he's looking for milk. And I had no idea what I was doing because I'm a naive new mom with zero prior experience, you know, so normal for all of us who have kids for the first time who didn't grow up around siblings or nieces or nephews, like I had no example in my life of raising a baby. There's zero, I had no, I literally did not know how to change a diaper, never had it modeled for me. I just, I just, I didn't know anything. And my grandma couldn't breastfeed. My mom couldn't really breastfeed. And so I had no great examples of any of this. And so now I feel like I know so much. I'm so excited to have baby number two, not because I have expectations of what needs to happen. And if it doesn't, I'll be upset or something like that. It's just that I can mitigate a lot of anxiety around breastfeeding. I can understand that if my baby doesn't latch, it's not the end of the world. If um, I don't make enough milk, like I have access to donors. I know how to find donors. I know how to look for donors. I have an amazing, amazing community of moms that are now close friends with me that are, you know, if we have babies at the same time, you know, all of them were oversuppliers with their first. So typically speaking, they're going to be oversuppliers with their second. So I can always ask them like, hey, if you happen to have extra milk with your next baby, we have babies at the same time. I would love to set up a donation process with you or whatever. Like I just, I just, I have so much more understanding of like what to do when shit goes wrong. And that's not to say that maybe new shit won't go wrong, but you know what I mean? It's just a different vibe. But yeah, when I was looking at those pictures of Orion, it really triggered me. Uh, It triggered me so much. I started sobbing. It was like the whole thing all over again. So I had a session cleared that, don't feel that anymore, and it doesn't bother me at all. Now, do I 
look back and that's to say like it emotionally doesn't bother me but do I ever look back and be like oh man that would have been nice of course you know of course I have those thoughts um but it's not something that takes over my whole day like it used to okay someone said you're a very patient person <laughs> you know it depends i can be extremely impatient um but i will say that my friends uh when they describe me they all describe me as really chill and really laid back which is interesting because i always wasn't like this i feel like with a lot of nervous system regulation work uh, i've really relaxed I've become a much more chill person. I've become more patient, but it was very much something that I had to learn over time. <laughs> you don't get triggered or have doubts about your future. Of course I do. I feel like this is so human. And I think that the reason why I can speak so much on these topics is because at some point in time, this was a big issue for me or a struggle or something that I still deal with from time to time myself. Someone said you're going to keep up leveling until you're a multiple billionaire. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> um, someone said when you're lazy, you're lazy. When you're productive, you're productive AF. Yes. And I find that this is something that human design really helped me with, which by the way, I know I shared in the last episode, but if you love human design, I got an amazing, amazing thing that you can buy yourself, but also gift this holiday season to give everyone in your life the gift of knowing their human design. I feel like it changes everything. It gives you so much clarity about who you are, how you operate so that you don't waste energy. You don't leak energy. You don't uh, strive. You don't you know, just exert so much hustle for no reason because you know how you are meant to operate and how you're meant to be most successful. I feel like human design is an amazing hack into understanding this is how God designed me and this is how I'm meant to be most successful. And if I try to be anyone else but myself, I go against my my contract, my sacred soul contract, and I cut myself off from all of the blessings that were innately designed for me. So with human design, you know, I'm a generator. And so with generators, it's like I only go after the things that light me up. And if it doesn't light me up, like you said here, um, you know, when you're lazy, you're lazy. Yeah, I'm just going to sit around and not do anything because I don't have any genuine en energy to start something or to do something or to continue something. I just know it's not the time. And when I, when I continue to do something, when it's not the proper time to do it, or I don't have this innate drive to do it, it's going to take me a hundred times longer than if, let's say, today's just not my day. I take a day off. I come back to it tomorrow or, you know, whatever the, the energy genuinely comes, it, gen it probably will come back like tomorrow or the next day or the next week. And then I will accomplish weeks worth of work in a single day. Because when you have the energy for something, you have the energy for something. So yes, when you're productive, you're productive AF. That's very accurate. Okay, someone said you don't like your food to touch. This is funny because I'm actually not like this, but I didn't know. This is going to sound so bad. 
I didn't know that my husband didn't like his food to touch until we were together for seven freaking years. I just didn't notice. (laughs) So actually, Brennan doesn't like his food to touch. And it's kind of weird. It's not like it's not like all food can't touch each other. For him, it's very particular. And maybe someone out there can totally relate to this. It's like food that's not supposed to be touching because it doesn't make sense. Like, for example, if he's eating Indian food or Thai food and there's curry, of course, the rice and the curry can touch. But if you put salad on the same plate as the curry, that's a big fuck no. Or if you put dessert on the same plate as like dinner, that's a big fuck no. Like that triggers him and he just can't handle it. And I laugh because I'm the type of person who can create the biggest mishmash of food on my plate and I don't care if things touch or not. In fact, sometimes I feel like it makes the flavor better where I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that and that went together. It's kind of like French fries and ice cream. Like I didn't know that tasted good. Well, you don't know until they touch and you find out on accident. Someone said, I think that even though you live a rich life, you're still very human, accurate, and feel insecure about XYZ. I'm curious about XYZ. So this is interesting because um, absolutely accurate, very human and feeling insecure about XYZ. I feel like my number one thing right now probably is my postpartum body. Um, this is no secret. This is something I talked about on Instagram. In fact, I put up a whole video I never thought I would share in its entirety because it's meant to be like part of a collage. (laughs) It's like when I finally lose the weight, I'm going to use this video as like a collage and a transformation and a before and after. And instead I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to share the before. And yeah, postpartum was very unexpected for me because I didn't expect, especially watching the other moms, who gave birth around the same time as me and just literally bounce back to their old bodies and look fucking amazing. In fact, one of my friends has like abs, like the most incredible abs post baby. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And I thought, you know, maybe it's because I'm like some women when they're breastfeeding or making milk, their hormones won't allow them to lose weight. Like for some, it's a big weight loss thing to breastfeed. And for some, it isn't. So I thought, you know what? Okay, now that I'm done breastfeeding or making milk, um, finally I'm going to lose the weight, right? No. (laughs) It's been like a crazy journey. And I've come to realize that it has a lot to do with internal programming. Um, There's a lot of programming around, you know, just societal programming like, oh, it's going to be so hard to lose weight after a baby. It's going to be a lot of hard work and it's not going to come easily. And babies ruin your body and babies ruin your business and babies ruin this and that and whatever. It's just like all the societal programming that is just complete bullshit. And we don't have to believe if we don't want to believe, but you still have to undo that programming, especially if it lives inside you, right? So definitely a lot of that programming I had to undo. I actually had an awesome session with an intuitive who told me that um, she like read into the root cause of why I'm not losing weight. And she said it was something along the lines of me just being hypercritical of myself and fat is protective. So um, the body is always protecting you from all kinds of things, including your own words. So if you're saying really mean words to yourself, those words are going to hit you in the body. And instead of hitting your organs, because that would be harder to heal from, 
your body pads up fat so that those words don't penetrate your organs, so that your organs stay protected. The most important parts of your body are still there. And it's just fat that is collecting this criticism. And that was a really great session for me. I feel like it cleared and healed a lot. I've done a lot of self-image work in the last like month, and I'm finally seeing the weight slide off. It's been a slow journey, but we're getting there. And I find myself wanting to hide more from the camera. I don't like the way I look in pictures and videos. I kind of cringe sometimes where I'm like, oh, I just feel so uncomfortable in my body. But I know that's going to change. I know it's going to change. I have access to really amazing tools, amazing experts. Like I know what to do. And I think it's just a matter of time now. Someone said, you can be sassy and kind at the same time. (laughs) Yes, my husband would probably totally agree with sassy. But yeah, I do have a little sass in me sometimes. But I am also very kind. And that is one descriptor that um, recently I asked my friends who know me the best, like, what are five to 10 words you would use to describe me? And most of them said kind at some point, which I thought was very sweet. Someone said, you stopped believing in God. This is actually false. I do believe in God. In fact, I pray to God. I address God. I thank God. I have gratitude to God. I just interchange God with universe. I interchange God with angels and beings and whatever. But I do see, like, I'm, I don't necessarily believe in God in the Christian sense where I go to church and there's a specific dogma that I need to follow around my, um, my belief system with God or just my beliefs around God. Instead, it's more so like I believe in a divine creator. I believe in a supreme creator. I believe in infinite intelligence. I believe in like a central point where we all stem from. I believe that we are all divinity. Divinity is all within us. We are expressions of God. We are expressions of divinity. We're children of God. So I guess it's a little more new agey, right, in my belief system around God, but I definitely do believe in God. Um, I used to identify as Christian. I don't anymore. It's, I don't even know what I would call myself. (laughs) I have no labels, okay? Let's just put it that way. This is interesting. A lot of you said the same thing over and over and over again, which really surprised me. I would say like 30, I'm not even joking, 30% of the responses were something along the lines of, for example, this person said, you have always been confident or you have always been a confident badass woman. And a lot of people uh, reflected this, like you've always had confidence, you're naturally confident. And I cannot tell you (laughs) how far from the fucking truth this is. So I've been watching um, a show lately that I love. Um, It's the fourth season now. I think it's the final season. It's called Sex Education on Netflix. Brennan and I discovered it right before COVID. And I remember like season two came out during COVID and then they had to take a long pause because of COVID or whatever it was. And finally, like the fourth season is out and we've been watching the fourth season. And there was a scene in the uh, in the show where um, the teacher is uh, now teaching at a new school. He was the headmaster at the old school that was shut down. He became a teacher or a substitute teacher or whatever at this new school. And he wasn't really making friends with anybody. And he went and, and ate lunch in the uh, bathroom, that like classic eating lunch in the bathroom scene. That was me. I was the girl who always wanted to hide. Like I had 
such insane social anxiety. I can't even tell you. It came from me being labeled as shy for so much of my childhood that I actually just recently cleared. Finally, like it's insane. I had a session with John and Dr. John Connolly, again, the founder of Rapid Resolution Therapy or RRT. And I see him like about every other week. And I had a session with him recently about this shyness that I experienced as a kid. And he just completely fucked my brain. Like it was a complete rewiring within a single session as always. And I just don't see my childhood as the same. Like it just, it, everything makes sense, but differently now. And I see myself as such a badass kid where I'm like, wait a second, there was nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with everyone else kind of vibe. It was really cool. Um, It would be too long to explain here, so I'm not going to go into it. But I just want to tell you that I was the kid who never talked in class. I had extreme public speaking fears. I would pretend to be sick on the days when I had to present a project in school. So I would be sick enough and play sick enough for my teacher to forget that I haven't presented yet. Um, True story. I would hide in the bathroom, eat lunch in the bathroom. I remember in high school, I would always hide in the library because I just was living out this label of I am shy. And so I have to act shy. That's just me. And I always perceived people to be looking at me and thinking about me. And I was extremely bullied. Like, of course, I attracted, you know, getting bullied. That makes sense. So I was bullied all the way from fifth grade elementary school up until, you know, high school. And it was just like a rough fucking go. And it wasn't until I started my first business, which was Beachbody back in, what was it? 2013, 2012? I don't remember. It's been yeah, it's been 10 years since I started my online business. It was at 21 years old and I'm about to be 31. So yeah, that it, it's about 2013. I forced myself to shift. I knew that I needed to shift. In order for me to build an online business, I had to overcome the social anxiety. And I used the online space as a way to show myself and communicate with the world and really share my thoughts and opinions in like a safe space, right? The internet is kind of a safe space because you can always close your laptop. You can log off Facebook. You can, you know, turn your phone off. Like there's so many ways that you can kind of like, you can hop in and out of it, right? You can go in and out, one foot in, one foot out. And over time, I gained confidence. I started doing live streams. I started Manifestation Babe. I started doing live streams. I opened up a Facebook group and over time, just acting out through action, taking action as if I'm a confident version of myself is how I built up confidence. And Dr. John Connolly says that confidence comes from success. So it's not like you need to be confident first in order to see success. Very often, it's actually you seeing success, you creating success for yourself because you are acting as if you're already successful, you're already confident, you get success, and then that builds confidence. And then you create more successes and that builds even more confidence. And it's like also in keeping promises to yourself. So if you tell yourself, I'm going to go live on Facebook or live on Instagram today at noon, and then you don't, your unconscious is going to start to lose trust in you because it's not going to see you as like someone of integrity who does what they say they're going to do. And you're just going to be less likely to follow through with things over time. But if you just commit to something, like even practicing things like 
I'm going to take a shower right now and then actually go take a shower. Or I'm going to make um, a healthy meal and eat a salad for lunch and you actually go do it. That builds trust, right? That builds successes, small successes, builds trust, trust builds more successes. And overall, that builds more confidence. And so that's where my confidence comes from. But was I always this way? Hell no. Okay, you have many maids and service people. This is false. I do have help, but um, I don't have many maids and service people. I actually, um, I shared on my last podcast episode as well as Instagram that I'm moving to Scottsdale, Arizona. And we just convinced our incredible immigrant housekeeper, Dasha, to move with us. And we are going to hire her full time and take care of her very well and just oh my gosh, because she takes such good care of us. She's an incredible, incredible, incredible soul. And I'm so grateful to have someone who can help me around the house, who can um, clean the dishes, do the laundry, you know, especially being a business owner and having a baby. Like, yes, thank God she's there. So we have her and then we have my mom who lives with us and is also our full-time nanny. So she definitely helps with the baby. And I'm eternally grateful for that help because when I need an hour to record a podcast, guess what? She can watch the baby. Or when I need to, or when I want to, I guess it's not really a need, (laughs) when I want to go get a facial like I did two hours ago today, um, I have someone to watch him. So it's, it's a huge, huge blessing and I'm eternally grateful for it. Someone said, you're one of those super confident extroverts who claims they're an introvert. I will tell you I'm an introvert introvert through and through. Yes, I have more confidence than I've ever had before in my life. Yes, I do love social interactions. Yes, I can talk your ear off, especially in a podcast. But when it comes down to it, please leave me the fuck alone in my bedroom with my laptop. Don't shut the door or no, bring me food, shut the door and just let me decompress and just be without people. And I can do this for days and days and days on end. Like I can literally be alone for days on end and love it. And then there comes a time where I'm like, fuck this. I'm so bored. Where are the, are the people? And I really do love hanging out with my friends. I love hanging out with, you know, just, just people that I'm close to. I have so much fun, but then eventually I do get very sucked dry from just too much social stimulation. And then I go and hide in my little cave. So definitely an introvert. I would call myself an extroverted introvert, but energetically, I'm for sure an introvert. This is a good one. And I can't think of anything on the spot. I think I screenshot it because I made a mental note for myself. Um, that I would think of something. But you know, like when you're close with your own self and you don't know what's weird or what's normal, like maybe you had a lot of childhood trauma and you grew up with it and to you it was very normal until you realize one day it's not normal and I'm pretty traumatized from my childhood. But like until you got to that point, you're like, yeah, mom yelling at me and threatening my dad with a knife. And you know, that's normal. Not right. But you don't know any different. And so Sometimes I don't really know. Like when people ask, Catherine, what are your fun facts about you? I'm like, I don't know what's considered fun. It's just normal to me. So someone said you have weird pet peeves. I absolutely do. I just can't think of them on the spot. Sorry. Maybe I'll come back to this one. Someone said you have ADHD, but don't want to be labeled slash put in a box slash claim it or talk about it publicly. Just want to be you. 
You know, it's really interesting because I never identified as ADHD until um, people started talking about it on the internet. And I actually have close friends who are like 100% clinically ADHD. And it wasn't until they would describe themselves to me or I would watch them operate in the world where I would all of a sudden go, hmm, that feels a lot like me. <laughs> like maybe I am ADHD. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have like an official diagnosis. Um, even if I did, I wouldn't let it limit me because I think people who have ADHD are the most creative, efficient, incredible souls. Um, and they're just amazing. They have such an incredible motor. I know my husband actually has had a diagnosis of ADHD and that mofo is just an ideas machine. So creative, so vibrant, so energetic, so like a powerful battery to be around. So even if I did have an official diagnosis, I just like, I don't see diagnoses as like truth. I just see it as Hmm, maybe I could use this to learn more about me. Like maybe someone labeled me as something and I'm not going to use this in the sense of like, I'm not going to let this de- deter me from, you know, being the best version of me, or I'm not going to let this mean anything about me. But that is interesting. Huh? My brain works differently than normal people, or my brain works differently than this category of people. I want to figure out how my brain works so that I can really hack it. And I can really use it to help me and use it to get me to where I need to go. And so then, of course, you know, these things are useful. But yeah, I don't know. Probably I am ADHD. I have no idea. Um, You are not American. This is true. I am proudly Russian-Ukrainian. I have Russian from my mom's side, Ukrainian from my dad's side. And yes, it is really strange at this day and age to be both Russian and Ukrainian, especially since both sides are at war with each other. So (laughs) it has caused some interesting conflicts in my family. And do you think my family is good at conflict? No, that's where all the crap, everything that's crap, I learned from them. Um, That's going to sound like I hate my family. I really don't. I love my family. But you know, I'm very good at discerning between what habits do I want to carry on in my life? And what do I want to get rid of? Okay, let me see if I have, okay, this is getting kind of long, I feel like, but I wish you could answer me. Like, do shall we continue or shall we stop? Let me just see if I can go through the rest of these super quickly. Um, that you're surrounded by a great support group. I am. I built an incredible support group over the last few years and I'm, I, love, I love my people. Someone said you have free family daycare. So I wouldn't call it free. I definitely pay a salary for uh, my nanny, aka my mom. My mom's my employee. But um, yeah, it's, it is family. That part's true. You're very generous to those around you, family and employees. This is accurate and I'm damn proud of it and I'm not afraid to admit it. I take really good care of my team. I take really good care of my family. I take really good care of my employees, my household employees, my family. I mean, everybody. I am loyal through and through. I'm incredibly loyal. I'm incredibly giving. Um, I have a lot of Libra energy and Libras are very loyal. So yes, truth. You don't rely on signs from the universe. You just go after it. This is interesting. And you know what? Um, This is true. But I think it's because I learned 
to trust my intuition. And I think that getting signs from the universe is incredibly powerful when you're learning to tune into your intuition and you're not like 100% certain on what your intuition is telling you. And then having the universe kind of wink at you or give you a sign like 333-444-111-1111. One of my signs is a white owl. I've seen white owls like crazy the last two weeks, which has been kind of fun. Or you see like a dolphin or a butterfly or one of my other signs is the map of the world because I love travel so much. So when I see like a globe or a map of the world, I know I'm on the right path. And yeah, at a certain point, it was important to me to get these confirmations and winks from the universe. But now I feel like I have such a great relationship with my intuition that I don't necessarily need these signs. They're really nice to have. But when I feel like something's a go... I will go after it. Um, Someone said, you don't worry about money at all anymore. I wouldn't say not at all because I feel like with every level comes something new. But for the most part, I feel pretty, pretty clear on, on money, money beliefs. Manifesting your soulmate was easy. Oh my gosh, I have so many stories, I think, on my podcast of how Brennan and I met. But um, it was very aligned. It was very fast. It came right after a six-year relationship. And technically speaking, yes, it was pretty easy. Um, Oh my gosh, there's still so many more. Someone says you're a psychic medium. Uh, Yeah, this is something that I've discovered about myself in the last few years. And this is a skill set that I'm currently working on. But yes, I would say I am a psychic medium. (laughs) And I have some interesting stories about that. Um, someone said you wear the pants in your marriage with Brennan. This is funny because maybe I used to, but recently I read a book called The Surrendered Wife and um I highly recommend reading it. It definitely like um threatens a bit uh the traditional values of feminism, I think. Like if you I don't know, like if you are hardcore feminist like uh women wear the pants kind of thing probably will trigger you. But I find that um, my feminism really extends to like society and women and men being equal in like their value, in their opinions, in their thoughts, in the value that they offer to the world, in their um, just like, just like the world at large. But I think in a something that I've learned in my marriage, it's actually a lot more helpful for us to embody more of the traditional gender roles. And I have found so much freedom in letting Brennan have more masculine roles at home and me have more feminine roles at home. And it's just created so much happiness and so much freedom in like at home. And I cannot recommend this book enough. Again, like I said, it'll probably trigger you, especially if you're like a hardcore feminist. But if you are someone who's like, you know what? Fuck what anyone says. Fuck what society thinks. Like, let me just try on something different. Let me put on a different hat for just a moment and see if this way of being makes me happy or gives me a sense of freedom in my life. And if it works for you, then it works for you. And if it doesn't, then you can throw it away, right? That's how I see everything. Just try it on. There's no harm in experimentation. But yeah, I would say we're more like equals now. Um, And in many areas, Brennan does wear the pants. And in many areas, I do. We have our areas. 
And it's not like one person has all the the say and the other person has no say. It definitely doesn't work that way. I would never let it <laughs> be that way. But um, yeah, let's see. Someone said you have a million ideas almost 24-7. This is very accurate. Um, it's like madness. And people always ask, like, if you have a million ideas, how do you prioritize them? How do you know which one is the right idea. And I think that ideas, um, you know, there's ideas that are one night stands and there's ideas that are more so for a long-term relationship. And I think it's the ideas that are like long-term relationships or marriages that are the ones that are going to give you the most fulfillment and most sustainability to act upon. And there's ideas that are like one night stands where they sound really good today, but then you kind of forget about them tomorrow. But if you acted on them today and then you were already like done with them tomorrow, you would have wasted your time and energy, right? So I'm kind of the person of writing down my ideas and just getting them out in front of me and just kind of sitting on them for a second and just seeing like, is this a one night stand or is this something that is still communicating with me and still exciting me past the one, two, three night stand, right? Is this something that keeps following me around? When I tune into it, does it feel good to have done? And when I tune into it a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, is this still a good idea? If yes, then I will act on it. And this is how I determine what courses to put out in the world, what podcast um, episodes, what topics to talk about. Like I use this process for a lot in my life. So And sometimes, and that's not to say like, you know, one night stands, like sometimes I do, you do get inspired. Like example for, um, for example, for a podcast episode. Yeah. Like I want to talk about something today and tomorrow might not be relevant, but I really do want to put it out there. And so I just will, because it's not going to have that much consequence for me because it could be like generally speaking, a topic that really helps someone out there. And just because it doesn't follow me around tomorrow or resonate with me tomorrow doesn't mean it was a waste of time. But when it comes to like implementing um, like a business idea in the sense of this is a course that's going to take me six months to build, like MBA, um, for example, I sat on recreating MBA and turning it into my five month long course for many months. So I knew it wasn't just a one night stand where I would start working on it, waste all my time and then not have excitement about it anymore. And then eyes are so good. Okay. Here, let me answer two more. You don't get scared about negative comments and what others think of you. Okay. I used to let negative comments derail me so much. Nowadays, I've done so much clearing and so much work. It's very neutral for me. I just, I don't give my value away to the internet. I don't let anyone, even if it's a nice comment, I don't let it mean so much about me. I know that what people are telling me, what people are communicating on the internet is what, um, it's telling me information about them more so than it's telling me information about me. It's a reflection of what's going on for them and it has nothing to do with me. I'm just a mirror to them and they see something in me that they have within themselves. So when people tell me positive things, I don't take it as much to heart as I used to. I don't make it mean like, yay, now I can have a good day because 12 people told me I'm amazing, right? I'm just like, cool. They think they are amazing. That's what they just reflected to me. They're sharing with me information about themselves. 
meaning they're sharing with me that they're kind people, that they think they're amazing, and that they really like to make other people's days by sending other people nice comments. That's what that told me. It has nothing to do with me. And when people uh, share a mean comment or something negative to say, like, cool, now I know this person is probably going through something in life. They don't really love their life. They're kind of miserable. And what they said about me, they probably see about themselves. I'm just a reflection of that. And other than that, everything else is neutral. And it's helped me so freaking much. Okay, last one. Do you ever raise your voice? (laughs) This person also said, I can't ever see you getting angry. And someone else said, you have a secret temper. I don't have a secret temper. Um, I don't raise my voice as much. Like I said, I feel like I've really learned the nervous system regulation game. I feel like um, I've really come far in addressing conflict, especially in my marriage and especially in my close relationships. I just, I'm a lot more chill, but that's not to say I don't get angry. Of course I get angry. Do I raise my voice? Not really, not as much anymore, but I'm totally a human and, you know, have normal human reactions. So that is that. I'm going to leave it at that. I feel like I've gone through as many as I possibly could. Maybe I skipped like one or two just for the sake of time. And also I just heard my husband bring home our son from swim lessons. So I'm going to go ahead and hang out with them. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you've been having fun with me the last two episodes of the podcast. Like I said, there's a fun vision board podcast coming soon. I have a vision board entire training coming soon. So keep your eyes peeled. More topics. I'm also going to set up a thing where you can ask me questions to answer on the podcast, maybe like a function to leave a voicemail where you can be featured on the podcast and I respond to you based off of like what I would do and my advice and kind of coach you through some things. I feel like that would be really interesting for me to do. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for all the fun things. Um, Thank you so much for your reviews. Thank you so much for your tags, for your shares. I love the shit out of you. I appreciate you so much. Like I said, my podcast listeners are my favorite people on this planet. You really get me. And I feel like we have such a great intimate time together. Like my me talking to you in your car or while you're getting ready in the morning. I know that I really connect with the podcast that I listen to. So with that being said, I love you so much. Have an amazing day and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at ManifestationBabe or visiting my website at ManifestationBabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.